Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the Internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Is anyone counting? <laughs> One, two, three. Nailed I think it. That was good. That was pretty good. You know, that was definitely one of our t- top three claps. Top clapping, ladies. Great to have you here with us, me and the doll. When I'm speaking in plural, that's <laughs> that's who you're referring to. That's how I'm speaking right now. <laughs> oh, Zozo, we love you because we're scared of you. We love you Isn't because we have to. Yeah. All fear, all love has a has a modicum of fear. Isn't that the idea? Fear of loss, just adding to the love. The most um, effective love is the love of a person who's too scared not to love you back. Okay. <laughs> Spoken like a parent. Yes. Spoken. Spoken like a true like creep. Um. Welcome back to our non-patron paying creeps. What are you guys doing? Come on over to the live Zoom stream. It's that you're you're perfect strangers to us because we've gotten to know all our paying creeps (laughs) intimately on Thursday evenings over on our Patreon live stream. And it has been an absolute joy. I think it's like group, it's group therapy, isn't it? Like, I just, except just, no one else is allowed to speak except us. Like <laughs> some, they're actual, yeah, it is. They're actual pals. See, I, some of them message and we talk to them after or before or whatever. And we have to, we cannot go a second longer without giving a special shout out to Harry. Harry, I was about creep. to say, Harry. Harry. 
It's He's just getting the most, me through COVID-19. The most wonderful creep. Turns up, has come to every live show, has been there for every call and prompted by a tweet in which our old pal, who Seamus I, I ever was, was doing, um, was prompted to go listen to an episode of The Creep Dive because of the recanting of his story or the re- retelling of his story about when he took Ket with the president. And um, Harry stepped in and directed him to the episode and then took it upon himself to create a an index of every Creep Dive episode we've ever recorded has told us the title, what each of our individual stories are. <laughs> he's got sidebars and guests. He's named he's he's named the creep of the week each time. Oh, Harry! It's Un- just like fucking believable. Like an incredible amount of work. Hundreds of cells in here populated with information in oh. a spreadsheet that is now easily accessible. Because one of the things we hate. But we love when people reach out, but it's such an anxiety when someone reaches out and says, what episode is whatever oh, yeah. in? And we haven't a notion. Absolutely. Now we do. Now we know. Harry, you're amazing because it's something we've been talking back and forth for over a year. Basically, every few weeks, someone goes, we really should collate all the uh, stories some in, in some central spot. Uh, and then the others go, yeah. Yeah, we should. And then Because it did happen once that we were we were almost repeating a story. At a live show in Galway, Cassie and I were just idly chatting over breakfast and TG, I was like, does this sound familiar to you? And she was like, Yes, I did it already. Uh, Absolutely wild. What was that so? It was um Tall Hop Land, wasn't it? Oh, yes, yeah. yes, yes. And classic. Yeah, and now we can look at Kath, uh, Hen, uh, Harry's amazing spreadsheet and locate that episode instantly. So, Incredible. truly doing Thank the you. Lord's creeping, Harry. Also, I just love that Harry will slide into the Twitter DMs and be like, oh, what about last night after our live stream? And he'll be like, who was that hot guy who didn't even look like he wanted to be there? And I was like, I don't know, but he was freaking me out, Harry. <laughs> oh, it's truly gorgeous. It this is, is amazing. Stunning. So to, I want. So did Seamus I ever was enjoy that shitty retelling of his Twitter? Feed? You know what? I haven't heard back from him. So great. Do you know Let's how that in. came about? Was two no. lads. So Seamus I ever was was talking about something, and somebody slid into his replies and was like, "Oh, you have to listen to the creep dive." randomly and then I slid on in myself and was like oh, no nice. shit we've actually covered one of Seamus I ever was threads of beauty and um, and then the guy was like what episode is that and I was like mm, mm. Shit. and then I kind of I totally fobbed them off and was like oh yeah it's probably one of the earliest ones I think I'll have to go ask the co-creeps slid away slithered away like the lazy bitch that I am and that is when Harry Sweet Harry. Our hero. Hero. Absolute hero. Um, yes, he did a wonderful job. Um, oh, do you know what we should do? <gasps> I've got a great idea. Why about on this Thursday's um, Zoom creep, we do an 8 p.m. clapping for Harry? Yes. Because okay. we're always clapping at 8 on a Thursday. So let's dedicate uh, it to well, Harry did... and the healthcare heroes. 
I heard that uh, this Thursday's 8 p.m. is actually we all gather and shout out our windows saying, fuck you, Carol Baskin. <laughs> you can go to the kitchen. I think um, that we're all going to live to rue the day we talked so much about the Tiger King because I think something terrible is going to happen with one of those people and then we're all going to be, you know, in this weird, silent, never to be spoken of again thing about the Tiger King, you know. Well, you well um, Joe has the COVID. Get out of here. Yeah, he got it in prison, officially Jesus, diagnosed with COVID. He wouldn't be in great health, I'd say. I'd say he is almost all disintegrated on the inside. <laughs> just a liquid. Yeah, with, I'd say it's like just a, like this grey kind of matter mm. mixed with with kind of pus just floating on the inside. <laughs> I've no idea how. Yeah, I, formed into arms and legs like if you had a, bl- a water balloon in the shape like of a man. Like one of those stretchy yellow <laughs> little smiley men. Stretch um, Armstrong. Stretch Armstrong. Yeah, I don't know how. I don't know how he's functioning. Um, but yeah, he's got Rest the COVID. Oh, God. He's um, not dead yet. Get well, well soon. We will all die one day. Um, I do. I do. Uh, you know, th- there is a kind of like growing sort of community online that is like, fuck you, Carol Baskin. But like, I do agree. I read a piece about how they chose the wrong villain and how like making Carol the this somehow the villain in it that like um you know it, it is ridiculous that like she probably realistically did not kill her husband uh even though i fully believe that she did uh okay so our definitions of villain diverge somewhat cuz i think that if carol really did do what they think she did i think that's pretty fucking cool I know we're not condoning murder, but it sounds very much it's like I just cool did, in fact. It's just a cool There's way to no do a murder. And then it's ballsy as hell to get on a podcast, a TV show, another TV show, all the hell over Facebook. I love her intros. Her social media intros have to be my fave. I'd love to get them as a uh, ringtone or something. Not that my phone is ever off silent, but, you know, if ringtones I were still a thing. Can you give us a flavor? What's up, cool cats and tigers? You know, when she just comes on her Facebook yeah. page or when she's like superimposed against some hilarious backdrop. There's a lot of those. What's up, all you cool cats and tigers? It's me, Carol. Oh, love them. Um, um, any creeps we of the for, week? Well, my whole story is a creep of the week. It's so it's a fan of the show. Subi sent us on a link and <sighs> I clicked it and it's changed my day. <laughs> oh yes. I feel like your day just screeched to a halt. It did. And went another direction after this. Well, this is somebody who we've all been familiar with. In fact, awesome. this my creep revolves around uh we've talked about him. Now, correct me if Sophie, did you tell the t- Twitter feed story of Francis Black on this podcast or was it a different one? <laughs> no. Was that was on the one? Vulture Club. And well, anyone who's so. listening here and feels like they need a little more of what we have going on here, go on over to the Vulture Hop Club. On over. Hop on over. We talk culture. So, I'll, I'll bring us back to that time. So it was during this current crisis we're in, um, uh, an Irish hero 
our very own Frances Black tweeted what she thought was an innocent support to our frontline medical worker staff with an image and then a little note to say support your sta- your all your doctors we support the doctors and nurses let us stay at home and a happy little an sunflower emoji absolutely uh, it's her edition and it looked at a glance or a swipe with a finger completely good boring boring image fine no problem great just probably Until one of the millions looked, of boring ones she had been sent sure. in her whatsapp that day by various uh, whatsapp Bammers, mams, mm. yeah. Put the mams so in spams. So you, you, so a lot of people missed this, but some people didn't. Mm-hmm. And what she, had I've missed posted, this entirely. Oh, it's brilliant, Cass. So what she had posted was what I'd say. It looks like America, a whole lineup of um, people in scrubs in a hospital, working people with holding up signs, let each a letter saying, you know, help us stay at home, something mm-hmm. to that effect. So all boring, but if you paused a little closer, you might notice. The star of my story today. Uh, extraordinarily well endowed, nude black man kneeling at the far right of her image that she had obviously <laughs> missed. Um, but some of her Twitter followers picked it up. Brilliant. It and a, very it understandably missed because totally. the was, key was he was wearing a surgical mask just the same as all the other people in the picture. Oh, very good. That's right. And there was two rows. So there was like a standing row and a kind of kneeling row. So it just was grand. He was just kneeling on the end of the row, dick so ginormo that it was actually grazing the lino floor beneath him. I well, need to see. I need to see it. Is it? You she's taken it do- down, obviously. She has she taken has. it you'll down. Just, I'm sure you'll find a screen grab. And, uh, and everybody who's listening is currently off to look. So <laughs> what you're about to uncover is a man who you might recognize yourself from, a, from your WhatsApp groups. So many, many of us, in fact, all of us have received like videos of things, innocuous kind of videos. And you might open and watch, for instance, uh, the coffee pod one opens on a small coffee pod. And uh, you're following the hand, goes into a machine and the coffee starts dribbling down, the camera pans up, and isn't it only coming out of the cock of a giant nude man, this image of a giant... And this nude man has appeared across... Like, he's just meme famous. Um, Jen, now you're leaving out a key piece of information about where exactly you were the first time you watched the coffee pod meme. Where was that? You were sitting, cradling your young son... I was going to, ne- I did neglect that information. And as I was saying, I was like, I w- I'll leave that bit out. Oh, I'm Just sorry. Okay. That never, no, that no. never happened. <laughs> no, no. Uh, that's important. That was a fever dream times. of mine. <laughs> no, no. It happened. Uh, Arthur, my little three and a half year old, was sitting beside me at the time as we were watching it together. He, it didn't, it didn't remotely, he was nonplussed entirely. He just stared straight ahead. And I kind of was like, if I move away quick now, I'm going to make a thing of this. Totally. So I lingered, made questionable length before taking it off the screen altogether. Yeah. The important part is nobody panicked. That's a good dismount. Yeah, that's what I thought. I was like, if I, you know, when you move suddenly like a spider or an insect. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You don't want to create a kind of a fast issue. Oh, no, at all. Because the child will lock onto that kind of psychologically metabolize it and then it'll kind of re-emerge later in their lives. Like when um, 
you know, my ones are doing the uh, little dick over the waistband gag at the moment. They're absolute fave. So I, I can't I have to really watch myself. I cannot overreact to it. I have to be so bored by it. Just Can like, eh, it's not it. even, it's not even that good a gag, guys. Whatever. Like, In my whatever head, I'm screaming inside my mind, put your dick away. Are you going to be okay? Did I do this to you? <laughs> Okay, come on. So what is this guy's okay, name? Okay. Who the hell is he? I'll tell you all about him, uh, thanks to this article from Vice. Uh, so this was released on the 27th of March by a writer called Alex Zaragoza. So he went deep. And so I'm just going to tell you what he said. So um, this man, whose real name is, wait for it, Wardy Jubert Third. Now, I have a question. Mm-hmm. Is Jubert spelt... J-E-W? No, J-O-U-B-E-U-R-T. Okay. So, um, our writer this week went down a super rabbit hole uh, of trying to figure out who the fuck this guy was because like him, like us, had been absolutely plagued by these prank texts and videos arriving in and then sort of began to be curious. Sophie, me and you are on a group WhatsApp and um, this naked black man, uh, Wardy, features heavily and recently a friend of ours actually located um the what we thought or at the time i was watching it was him doing a self-pleasure um (gasps) oh my god yeah and i was like oh he's obviously a porn actor this guy and this is this is where he came from now for listeners at home that looked like he had lubed up an arm or Jesus. Even like an upper arm. It was, it actually made it into my dream that night. Cassie, are you looking at him? Or did you look yeah, at him? Yeah, I saw him. I got him. It's massive. It's bleeding massive. <laughs> so, anyway, so he, so our writer guy went down the rabbit hole and was determined to find out who he was. I myself just watched that and just thought, oh, there you go. He's just a born man. And uh, that's the end of the story. So he put out a call out and soon he was flooded by DMs and, um, memes basically pouring in from people who wanted to know more about this guy basically what we he did find out very quickly on and what we know now and i'm about to tell you is that woody or sorry his nickname is woody so i might call him woody or wardy but interchangeable so um wardy had died a few years ago in fact in 2016 so he doesn't even know he's a corona meme no, but I think he, well, he definitely doesn't know he's a Corona meme, but he certainly, this, the memes were going when he was alive as well. So here we go into the background. So and did he Wardy, die young? Wardy. Oh yeah. Okay. He on. did. Yeah. Wardy Jubert III, born August 30th, 1971 in San Francisco. His stepmother, Karen Jubert, came into Wardy's life when he was a uh, 14 years old and she started dating his widowed father so Wardy's mum Vera died from Hodgkin's lymphoma when he was only 11 yeah. so ah. it would be easy to assume uh, Woody was rooted this was his nickname in uh, his sort of porn life but in fact Wardy was an amazing baseball player when he was a kid and he uh, that's where he got his nickname presumably the bat the Woody and I'd say then Little did were they all to know that he would become this, this kind of famous for his dick guy. But uh, anyway, that was where the nickname came from. So he actually ended up going pro and briefly played for the New Orleans Saints, and uh, he was doing well. So wow. 
yeah, so this guy, our writer of this article, went interviewed tons of Woody's friends, um, and but mostly he spent a lot of time with Heather, and Heather was Woody's last girlfriend um, before he died. Well, main squeeze, let's put it that way. Yeah. So here Heather said he would be like Pitbull is what he used to call Heather. He would be like, Pitbull, my dream is to suit up just one more time and go out in that field. I don't care if I blow my knees out for the rest of my life. I just want to suit up one more time. So he was mad to get back into the game. So he, Woody was an amazing guy. He was able to use his love of baseball to work with this special football camp that does youth outreach. He was a father of two and a deacon at uh, this, their local Baptist church. Anyone know what a deacon is? Oh, I kind of do because I'm watching Six Feet Under at the moment. Random. Yes. And uh, David, the younger son of the Fisher family, has just been appointed the deacon of their church. And it's kind of like a kind of guy, a civilian who reps the populate the congregation and gets up at mass uh, and like does readings and does okay. kind of a, yeah. It's a, so altar boy is step. It's like an adult kind of, altar boy. It's like your yeah. next port of call. Gotcha. Kinda. Gotcha. So that's what this guy was. So he was evangelizing on the street. He was doing outreach work with his pastor. His friends and family say they would, he would regularly provide food and uh, shelter to the homeless. And he was really quick to help anybody in need. Um, so but it, Woody was a humongous man uh, with an enormous face and a huge big smile. So he looked a bit like The Rock, actually. Um, in its kind, in his sort of cartoon level size. Yeah, his physicality and, um, is like huge. not the build of a baseball player that I would imagine. No, now, I think all my baseball knowledge is based on baseball, a league of their he own. He was fourteen and very lithe and a giant. So, so, but yeah. I guess you'd have a good long stride and a good hit of the you know of the bat or something. Oh, yeah. So, um. Where am I? Oh, yeah. So countless comments on his social media posts have mentioned his smile, his sense of humor and how he made everyone feel like a friend. Very, very nice guy. Wow, so, that's what uh, you want to hear, isn't absolutely. it? Absolutely. Heather said he walked down the street and he was like the fucking mayor. So he was a huge San Francisco Giants fan. He enjoyed rocking a G-string from time to time and could imitate, imitate people's voices to a T. All around, great crack. Good, good guy into all sorts of good shit. Uh, so when he became the unwittingly, so basically, it was it, when he became this sort of massive Corona meme. It was this didn't come to a surprise as a surprise to Heather, um, or even uh, Woody's stepmom. So basically, Woody. The, hang on, hang on, let me get this straight. Oh yeah, he loved so this Corona. This all began in twenty twelve. So Woody's image from the, the same image we look at now was floating around Reddit in 2012 per Know Your Meme. So that's where this kind of kicked off. Mm. And at the time, it, it kind of was trending online. Obviously, at 2012, we didn't have, were we, kind of, we weren't smartphoning. We weren't sort of meme heavy. It was just specific to Reddit. But his image did get emailed to both his girlfriend at the time and his stepmom. His so, stepmom? Yeah, so uh, let me see what she says. She says something funny here. So she says, the stepmom says... Uh, I'd know it anywhere. ...by this image. Oh, God. Before, even even before Woody's death. So they hadn't realised it had the resurgence. Hang on, they hadn't realised that it had a resurgence. Okay, so Heather 
this has kind of prompted a conversation Woody had to have with Heather and his stepmom. Basically, where the fuck did this picture come from? What's the story? Mm -hmm. So Heather first found out about his porn career when an acquaintance came over to the then shared home in San Francisco and saw a photo of the couple. The acquaintance asked if that was her boyfriend. Heather said it was. Then she goes, that's not your guy. That's a fucking meme. Heather, who dated, <gasps> who had dated Wardy or Woody for three years, recall, she, was, she was recalling this. So the acquaintance pulled up the now famous photo and the very same one being currently circulated in those fake corona kind of adverts or alerts or whatever. So Heather was stunned, but she found it kind of gas. Yeah. So she says, that's how I found out about the photograph originally. And that's how I even found out about the lifestyle Woody was into previously, she said. Huh. And as for the humongous gigantor cock, um, despite some... So people are kind of in, in a conversation of whether this is photoshopped or not. Uh, Heather can confirm that this is one thing he was proud of and that that's all Woody. Oh, right. Real, it's the real deal. Uh, so Heather said, I started to learn a lot more about Woody after that photograph. It didn't tarnish any of our relationships, said Heather. It actually made us learn a lot more about each other and be a lot more open. He found I was not a judgmental person. I never wanted him to feel ashamed. I never wanted him to feel he was in trouble. Mm. So nice. Woody's lifestyle at the time of the photograph, um, was kind of sexy. So he was hanging out at sex clubs and parties in San Francisco where he was the bull, right? And a dom who would have had consensual sex with women in front of their parents, sorry, parents, <gasps> partners. <laughs> no, no, partners. Oh um, my God. holding the men. Remember that? Oh yes, yes, yes. Cook holding, yes. yeah. Uh, so it was at one of the parties that somebody approached Woody and said, hey, you should do a porno. Uh, to make some extra cash and he was going through a contentious breakup with the mother of two children his two children at the time and he had put his house up for sale and it was the house that was had been passed down to him from his grandparents to his mother to him and he ho had hoped to leave it to his two kids mm. so it was in jeopardy he was mm. desperate he was going to film a porno so he did but this kind of porno was just a... It was just a film of him jerking off. Ah. Right. So, I mean, that's kind of an entry-level... Is that like, the one that isn't it? we've watched, Jen? That's the one me and you have watched. Yeah. Catherine, would you like it? Um, I'm okay, thank you. <laughs> cool. It's just someone, like, rubbing uh, a pork loin... Oh, yeah. Up and down. You know, Even you bigger. Know it's like a leg of lamb. It's remarkable. It's whopper. It's just, it's kind of girth. It's a shock of the girth of it. I mean, yeah, the whole thing. It's just, it's so much shaft. It's. That's oh. it. So here we, Heather moves on to say, prior to this, I'd seen it years ago when he was still alive. One of my friends shared it with me, blah, blah, blah. She had contacted me. She called and said, oh my God, you've got to look at this. And I caught him up about it. We talked about it because we were close. We talked every day. Oh, sorry, this is not, sorry, that's not his girlfriend. That's a quote from his mum. <gasps> okay. His stepmom. Sorry, I'll start that again. So, uh, his stepmom then, when the interviewer was like, well, what, what about you, Karen? Jubert, did you know about it? So, prior to this, as in this moment, if Corona meme fame, uh, she had seen it years ago when he was alive. One of her friends shared it with her. She had seen it, and uh, she contacted Karen to say, this is your stepson, is it? 
is it? What a weird thing to fucking do to somebody. Would you, if I, if you down the line, yourselves, uh, saw a picture of nude Rufus somewhere, and why would I then send it to you as if you had never seen him nude? Oh, God, yeah. I, no, I, just, I just feel yeah, free yeah. to keep like, that from fake, me. Do you know what that person is? One of those fucking fake-ass concerned dickheads. Yeah. Who, oh, yeah, he just who, wants like, your reaction. Yeah. Who delivers this news to you that's, you know, horrific and you needn't fucking know about it in the first place. And then, yeah, exactly. They just get so off. So would you, you just like, prefer not to know the nudies? I prefer to come across them myself, I'd say. You, would you, Kat? Just a yeah. natural occurrence. Yeah. <laughs> just in the, in the wild. <laughs> that's it. Because that friend was just hanging on in there in an ambulance-chasing fashion, just getting all juiced up over the, her reaction. Oh, absolutely. So the friend calls um, his mum, stepmom or whatever, and said, oh my God, oh my God, you have to see this. What a fucking dickhead. And uh, then his stepmom called, so Karen, the stepmom, called Woody and said, what the fuck is this? Uh, and then Woody kind of spilled the beans mm. and told her everything. And she, she, they're both, they're pretty Christian people. And she was like, look, whatever, it's what's done is done. Um, and that's fine. So she kind of, they didn't, their relationship didn't really suffer on the back of it. She still, they still were very, very close. I mean, it's um, not exactly a tremendously sexy picture. It's like, obviously he's got his big no, member right. it, out, but it's it, not like he's engaging with sexual exit. He's literally sitting there bearing his giant schlong. Yeah. But in the picture that's doing the memes, it's a flaccid, isn't it? Or is it just hard but down? It's, I'm not the right person to ask. <laughs> it's, da- it's facing down. It's so pointing it, down. Would you say it's erect and down? Like a downward facing erection? It looks... But how would it... I know they... I don't know how downward erections are, though, really, once they're fully going. But once they're very heavy, I, I don't think the a, lift... I don't think he'd get the lift. Really? No, you remember that M. Or maybe um, he would, but like he'd pass out each time or something. All the yeah, blood like that rushing thing, to the penis. It would honest to God be, need a splint. The penis would like. be hard, but he'd be flaccid, attached to it. Just floppy. Um, I think uh, the thing is now, from my knowledge of Woody, when he's hard, it points up. Because sure, we've seen the video. Now I know he was kind of half lying down. Is he pointing it downwards himself in the still image? No, in the still image, it's, it's just sitting down. I don't think, I don't know. I, I mean, like, it might I'd be say kind just of slightly tumescent, but it's not fully erect. And we're going to, let's agree on a semi. I think yeah. let's agree on a semi, yeah. But like gravity is is taking hold of that thing. It's so big. Like I can't imagine it, it has I think the, that thing laughs in the face of gravity. I think it has its own gravitational pull. And that pull results in memes. It's pulling <laughs> the memes in to its orbit. Genuinely. Uh, so listen, poor old Woody was only 24, uh, tw- sorry, 45 when he died ah. of a heart attack, December 11th, 2016. And it was a massive shock to everybody. That's because all the blood is in his dick and not around his heart. Genuinely, I now, think the dick on. is the culprit. Have a heart no. now. We need to deep dive into the prick. I think he did it. Listen. Everybody was shocked by his death. According to Heather, the girlfriend, uh, Woody was he- healthy as a horse. <laughs> um, she stayed away from drugs, although he had at some point dabbled in steroids. He only drank beer. He was a healthy eater. However, his heart had become enlarged and she quoted, is quoted as saying, blew up on him. So that's sad. 
So, yeah. um, and it wasn't the only shock she got that day because she got home from the hospital. Woody was dead. She grabbed his phone, started texting his family and friends. And what did she see? Only multiple text messages from different women, <gasps> all wondering why the, he hadn't responded to his to uh. their text messages and seeing how he was, blah, blah, blah. Woody. So Heather being the giant, you were on funny your side. Heart. Yeah. Listen, Heather is a fucking hero, though. So she said she felt I have to call these people. So she said I had to call these women and let them know he had passed, and I would be setting up arrangements. She recalls. So two of them were crying, very devastated. One of them wanted to argue with me over who was his real girlfriend, and I was like, I don't think that matters at this point, ma'am. <laughs> she was well aware that her boyfriend kept secrets. And she said, naturally, you become your own journalist. I tried to find out find, I tried to find out more, but what I found out, a lot of it, I already knew. I knew he'd done gay porn. Sorry, apparently that happened. Uh, I knew he went to sex clubs. I knew that he was seeing other women when he was saying he was on business trips. Uh, she said she loved and accepted him anyway. Ah. And with him suddenly gone, the indiscretions didn't seem to matter anymore. He wasn't perfect, but ultimately he was a good man. Aww. So she said, there's a lot of different things that he did that I wouldn't want. Sorry, she says, there's a lot of things he did that I would want people to know about. Just rather than just seeing a picture of his schlong hanging out, uh, said Heather, I want people to know that one photo may have been a portion of his life, but fuck, that man did so much good. Aww. Um, so... What's taken Woody's family's concerns to a new level is that companies, basically companies have begun kind of stealing his image, selling his, that image on T-shirts, hats, specifically this uh, American comedian Tom Segura. So he is kind of a famous, Amer- I, did, I don't, never heard of him myself, but a big comedian, and he has Woody's face on a T-shirt saying, wash your hands. Uh, so he, he that was for sale on his website. So since... Uh, Segura reached out then to Heather because he intends to send profits from the T-shirt to Woody's family. Um, Good man, Tom. True. So this what an afterthought, through, though. What a fucking afterthought, exactly. <laughs> Just because he got caught. Well, he got called out, exactly. So you're, Segura told... So the uh, this Tom comedian guy told the writer of this article... You're just bombarded with horrible news and then randomly you get these texts and it just breaks it all up. I really, uh, I really just thought it was worth doing because he deserved it. Here he is pretending it's all in aid of him. He made me and all my friends laugh and I figure uh, very few of the people using his image will share the profit, especially since he's passed. Maybe, maybe that's wrong. Maybe Tom did know that and did it on purpose and it was all with the intent to give a few bob to Woody's family. Because Woody's family need a few bob, um, they have yet to be to pay, completely pay off his funeral expenses, which is incredibly oh. sad. And oh. uh, they had to get pay for an extra big coffin for his extra big ass. Joked Heather. Although several years have passed since his death, they still owe roughly fifteen hundred dollars to the memorial service and haven't been able to afford <gasps> a headstone for his grave. Oh. So there is a what? So here I am to tell you that there is a GoFundMe page. I've given a few bob in. In you know from the creeps, absolutely. Um, but uh, it, so it's alive and well. We can link it somewhere to give him a nod because we've got a lot of joy out of. I have, I've taken joy from that image. It's like it's brightened my day. Sad to hear he's dead now. Oh. Uh, the writer here goes on to say 
which is interesting. It would be blind or disingenuous of anyone who shares a photo to say that the fact that that the surprise is a large black man isn't part of the joke. Uh, playing on stereotypes depicting black men as a physical threat with outside sexuality. Jokes about the size of black men's dicks are pervasive in comedy, particularly from white women comedians. Oh. That'd be us. Reinforcing these racist notions. Mm. So in the midst of a global health crisis, people are understandably clinging to any opportunity for levity, even if that has unfortunately come at the expense of a man who sadly um, also happens to be dead. So Woody had a good sense of humour about himself and was fun-loving jokester. Uh, both his... Uh, so according to both his stepmom and Heather, his girlfriend. So here Heather says he seems... He seemed not thrilled with how it was being used then, but definitely proud of the photo, laughed Heather. As for how it's handled, so as for how he'd handle its prevalence now, it's just hard to know for sure because he's dead. So look, there you are. That's the end of the story. We're delighted that a few bob is going to, sure, I hope now on the back of this article that that, that won't be long paid off and... You Surely know. not. I think they're pretty high. Like they're at seven and a half thousand of a ten thousand. Are they? Oh, yeah. it's been up to ten grand, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. So look, that's that's in memory of Woody, and uh, it's funny, isn't it? Like memes. You know, maybe back in twenty twelve, there was this kind of anonymity with the internet, and you'd get photographs of, and it was kind of you'd laugh at the people. But even now, the fact that we've seen this image, our own friend went to do a bit of research. And found his porno and then this actual background of him. So that's probably a bit symptomatic of where we're at internet-wise now, where we're sort of, it's all fun and games. But I think there is a question about who the person is now, isn't it? Doesn't it feel This may like be a little more? bit of morality now. I think because it's become, like, it's become, um, like, at the start of when we first moved online, there was this kind of, like, dissociative sort of behavior where it was like this is something else but now it's so ingrained in our day-to-day lives that I think it's an extension of who we are rather than a separation so like there is a little bit more humanity there um you know and that's that's a good thing and then yeah. there's us the creeps yeah. I don't know where we fucking we're actually the worst we are the worst then are we shit we're 2012 levels of depravity and amorality we're just we sometimes bring a bit of levity and a bit of lightness and we 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 discuss these stories sure that's at people's um expenses though isn't it um no i mean we're discussing the lives of sometimes convicted criminals and and people who've done bad things to other people you're right you're right you're right woody never doesn't seem to have done a bad thing to anybody no we're team woody absolutely Team team woody um so so that's my it's not a creep we're all creeps we're the creeps we're all creeps of the week here absolutely how about that i never had a doubt in my mind that you were a creep jen obviously it's upsetting to learn that i am but (laughs) (laughs) well you know it's time we all face the truth um okay i have the tale of an irish man um who Seems to be immortal. Let's call him immortal ha- Michael Malloy. Please do spill. Um, okay, so let me just put my crochet away. Ah, crochet away. Uh, so Michael Malloy was born in 1873. Um, 
He was known as Mike the Durable or Iron Mike. And basically he was an <laughs> Irishman who lived in New York during the 1920s and 1930s. He sounds like an absolute fucking hero. Okay. He's a former firefighter and he's most famous for surviving a number of murder attempts against him by five of his acquaintances. So what happened? What? I can't have been that sound. No, he was. He seems like just a regular sounder sitting at the bar, minding his own business. And these five delinquents take it upon themselves that they're going to kill immortal Mike Malloy for a bit of dough. Oh, um, I thought it was like five separate attempts by five separate people at five separate points. And I was like, geez, you're really pissing people off now, Malloy. No. OK, so it's July 1932. And Francis Pasque, Daniel Kurzberg and Tony Marino are sitting inside Tony's speakeasy in New York. Don't um, Tony Marino. Marino. Right? Jen looks like and Tony Marino right now. She's wearing some very cool sunglasses. Yeah. In the 1870s. So, 18s. No, we're in 1930s. Like, so this is like peak <laughs> New York. This is like Sin City, I imagine. Right. Beautiful. So uh, they're sitting in the Bronx and uh, in walks Michael Malloy into the bar. He's like, another morning's morning, if you don't mind. Sits up at the bar. He's, he hasn't picked the accent drink. up or anything, Cassie. No, he hasn't. He hasn't <laughs> picked up any New York. He's still Irish to the core. <laughs> Top of the morning to you. <laughs> um, so he walks in. <laughs> wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> that Irish and accent. He, I, mean, I can't like... do an Irish I'm Irish there's no need I anything realize. I say is an Irish accent <laughs> I'm crying that was the worst Irish accent I've ever oh heard God, it's all flawless just <laughs> speaking I'm not going right. to do it again dab of the morning um, to you so he sits up at the bar and he asks Marino for a drink now Marino had previously let him drink on credit on his bar tab, but um, he couldn't. He couldn't keep up with this tag because he said that business was bad and uh, Malloy was a heavy drinker. Um, so Marino's con- like kind of, you know, um, confessing, confiding in, in, in Pask and Kreisberg, his two pals. Pask was 24, was an undertaker by trade and he looked over at Malloy and his glass of whiskey and thought to himself like you know we could definitely convince him to drink himself to death so Malloy was kind of a a nobody just for the crack well they were planning on taking out an insurance policy on Malloy and posing as his next of kin so that they could get the the life insurance money Um, so no one really knew much about Malloy other than that he had come from Ireland. He had no friends or family, no definitive date of birth, though they guessed him to be around 60. Another article suggests that he was probably around 40 at the time. <laughs> so, um, so poor like, Malloy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tough times for Malloy. Um, they said he kind Years of did a few odd kind. jobs. He did a couple of different odd jobs, like sweeping alleyways or collecting garbage. Um, and he was always paid. Uh, he was either paid not very much at all or happy to be paid in alcohol um just kind of like floated around life went into the speakeasy that was his gig right um so pask turned around to marino that day and he said take out 
and insurance on Malloy, and I'll take care of the rest. So, Pask, the undertaker, had pulled off a scheme like that before. The previous year, he had befriended a home with someone called Mabel Carson, convinced her to take out a $2,000 life insurance policy, named him as the beneficiary, and then he forced fed her alcohol, doused her sheets and mattress in ice water, and pushed the bed beneath an open window. So her cause of death was pneumonia, pneumonia. bronchial pneumonia, oh. right? And Marino collected the money without anyone batting an eyelid. Clever. <laughs> right. Um, so Marino looked over at Malloy and was like, look, he's not got much left in him anyway. Uh, the drink is getting to him. Like he looks haggard. He looks like he's he's on his last legs. Um, no better so, reason to kill someone. Jen, you're next. Because, because it'd be easy, right? So they brought... Daniel Kreisberg in because Kreisberg said he was he was a 29 year old guy said that he needed to do it for the sake of his family he needed the money right um and they kind of the three of them initially started scheming about what they were going to do uh so Pask the undertaker said about getting everything in place so he was to go and find the acquaintance who was going to pose as um Michael's relative so he found an acquaintance who called himself Nicholas and the acquaintance called himself Nicholas and listed his occupation as a florist because Pask was in the it was an undertaker he was able to validate and say that he was you know an actual florist even though I don't think he was um and it took him about five months but he got three policies together so uh all offering uh life insurance on Michael's life and suggesting that it would go to this guy Nicholas uh, they posed that Nicholas was you know said that he was his brother Nicholas said that he was Michael's brother um, so the after all their scheming or whatever the life insurance policies they had out would amount to $3,576 which is about $54,000 in today's terms wow that's a good wedge it's a good good amount of money for like this old fella. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So, basically, they, the four lads now, because uh, Nicholas joins the kind of murder trust that they have established. Yeah. yeah. So he split four ways, like. Not yeah, it's yeah. not it's not that much money, but still, right? It's like, uh, um, you know, when people have like the sad lotto syndicates yeah. of like <laughs> but they 80 also, plus people and you're like, well, enjoy your... 10 euro it's the win and it's you'll all thrill. hate each other by the end of it the thrill of the win the thrill of um, the win but they actually then extended it out to a few other of Marino's regulars so like word oh, was Jesus. spreading that this is what they were in on right so uh, two other petty criminals John McNally and Edward Tinier Smith so called because he had an artificial ear even though his tin ear was actually made of wax um, had decided to come on board and they, they were all like scheming of different ways that they were going to kill Michael um, so one night in December 1932, they all joined in the speakeasy and in comes Michael. Um, uh. So to Michael's, to Michael's absolute delight, he sits up at the bar and he asks Tony for a drink and Tony Marino gives him an open-ended tab saying competition from the other salons had far, forced him to kind of changed his rules and he was going to ease up and how many was going to give him his open-ended tab 
So uh, Michael starts drinking uh, and Marino's there and he refills his glass. Um, what an awkward so scene in the bar. But Imagine I mean, being Michael's the one person like, in the whole bar who's not in the syndicate and doesn't know the plan. And it's just like, what's wrong with everyone? Why, why are you all, what's, why are you so distracted tonight? Um, sorry. That one guy is like, oh, Michael, maybe you should slow down. Like, maybe you need to slow down a bit, Michael. And the whole bar is like, shut the fuck up. Shut, shut him up. Um, yeah, so anyway, he's there drinking with his open-ended tab. He's drinking on and on, having the time of his life. Uh, and he basically drinks so much that Tony Marino's arm gets tired from holding the bottle. Uh, his breathing <laughs> remains steady. Oh, his skin is this lovely, like, tinged with redness from all his drunkenness. And he just wipes his mouth, thanks them all, and uh, says he's off. And he says he'll be back soon. You know, good night, God bless, see you soon. And um, within 24 hours, he was back in the bar, walked in, he's like, oh, Jesus, I'd love a drink. So, like, absolutely no bothers on him, right? So this this pattern goes on for three nights where he's getting absolutely shit-faced, walking out of the bar, like, teetering on home. He's like, oh, my... And then he comes back the next night and he's like, oh, God, I'd love another drink, right? And they're still giving him this open-ended bar tab to... to Hopefully, they think kill him. Oh, he's thinking that he's going to get fortune. Thinking that he's going to either get so drunk he falls and and crashes, you know, smashes his head open, or that he chokes in his own vomit. Right. So, uh, then after the kind of like third and fourth night, they're starting. Tony's starting to get impatient. He's saying that like it's costing him money because he's filling Murphy full of alcohol. Um. So they come up with a simple solution. It's to switch out the whiskey for wood alcohol. So wood alcohol was basically, um, it was basically like this unregulated alcohol, like, like alcohol spirits, I think. Like, yeah, I think like. Like pure ethanol, kind of. Yeah. And um, it had, uh, you know, it was like uh, just a 4% amount of wood alcohol would cause blindness. Um, They like in, in the, in the 20s. 50,000 people in the States had died of like the effects of impure alcohol. Um, and so basically they were like, perfect. We'll get them drunk, loosed up with some whiskey and then we'll switch them out and we'll give him this wood alcohol and he'll drink it straight. He'll be gone by the end of the night. Right. So they were like, give him all the drink he wants and let him drink himself to death. Um, so dark. Yeah, I know. Right. It's so, so bloody slow. Bought- I'm like, lads, just bloody like just finish it. Jesus. So or leave him alone. But they want to make it look like he did it like it was, you know, accidental. Um You could have a drunkle drunken stumble onto a knife. Sorry, Kathy. (laughs) (laughs) I just I know it's I just feel I have better options. Um so they all watched on as Malloy downed several shots and kept asking for more. Uh, he displayed no physical symptoms whatsoever of drinking wood alcohol, just only the signs of typical drunkenness. He was just a tipsy old fella having a great old time in his bar in the Bronx. Um, he was drinking it. He drank it all night and came back for more. And night after night, this repeated, <laughs> repeated itself, right? So one night... After drinking a rake of wood alcohol, he collapses on the floor and the gang are like, fuck you, yeah, this is it. He's he's a goner. Like he has to be 
dead. This man has to have poisoned himself to death. So Pask, the undertaker, kneels down to Malloy's body, felt his neck for a pulse and lowered his ear to his mouth. And his breathing was really slow, really laboured. They decided to just wait and watch, thinking that any minute he was going to take his last breath. Um, and they were watching and watching and watching. And then all of a sudden, Michael Malloy lets out a snore and he just falls asleep for a couple of hours. <laughs> wakes up. Right, wakes up a few hours later, stands up at the bar and is like, God, I'd love a drink. I'd love a bit of that wood yeah, alcohol. I'd love another whiskey. I'll skip the whiskey. Right. I'll go straight to that other shit you're giving me. So just continued on, okay? So Marina's getting pissed off. They're paying, they are paying the premium on these the life insurance policy as well that Michael Malloy doesn't even know he has. So they've got the monthly payments of his life insurance policy. They've got his open-ended bar tab. They've got the cans of wood alcohol that they're buying. They're starting to get pissed off, right? But it starts to get to the stage where the lads are just like, fuck, we are not giving up on this challenge of killing Michael Malloy. No, they're in too like, deep how is this man? They've invested yeah. massively. But Marino's starting to feel like Tony Marino is starting to panic that the actual speakeasy is going to go bankrupt because he hasn't got enough money to keep this whole ruse going. <laughs> so they wanted Tony wanted to just use brute force. But Pask had um, another idea. He knew that Tony was a big fan of seafood. So they planned to put some oysters in uh, denatured alcohol, which I figure is just like the purest type of alcohol, let them soak for a few days and serve them to Malloy with the wood alcohol, etc., etc. And they were like, it will absolutely cause indigestion. They'll like, you know, he'll, he'll choke on them. He'll just poison himself with all the alcohol, right? So they served him up one by one and Malloy absolutely fucking loved them, right? <laughs> he just, at the end of it all, he just let out a little burp. He's happy out. Um, yeah so he's a little dope I don't know why I just pictured them winding him or something I'm just winding a baby a lot at the moment just a big drunken baby who like falls over falls asleep on the bar and then like comes back and wants another drink they did other (laughs) stuff they let um they let a tin of sardines rot for several days um they mixed in more poisons slathered the concoction on bread served it to Michael he ate it and asked for another. Like, he just <laughs> oh. was... <laughs> He's unstoppable. He yes. cannot fell him. I do think this yeah. undertaker, like, has no excuse. He's seen enough death. He has a bloody like, catalogue, a back catalogue of things that could work in this scenario. Now, there are, there's loads of things that should be killing Michael here, right? So they call an emergency <laughs> meeting and they're like, with the fucking murder trist, the six of them or whatever, and they're like, what are we going to do? And then, and then Pask is like, look, we'll go back to the way that I did it the last time. We'll get him drunk, strip him, leave him out in the snow, leave him on a park bench, fucking mile away from the pub, <laughs> and he, there's no way he'll survive this, right? So one night... They put him in the back of a car, drove him to Crotona Park, put the unconscious man through heaps of snow, uh, stripped off his shirt, dumped bottles of water on his chest and head and let him off to sleep in the freezing night on the bench. 
Uh, but when they arrived, the next... just sad and cruel. So cruel, right? And sort of like haphazard as well. Um, so the next day... <laughs> the next day, uh, when they arrived at the speakeasy, they found Malloy in the basement, half frozen. <laughs> so somehow he'd woken up on the bench, walked the half mile back, persuaded Murphy to let him into the basement. So maybe Murphy... Um, and I'm oh, sorry, Murphy had persuaded Marino to uh, to let him back in. Amazing. Uh, so he just complained of being a little bit cold. Oh, my God. Oh. He is sorry, just no, a, a baller. I mean, we could all take a fucking note from this guy. Yeah. Not a complainer. Yeah. Not a complainer. No, he's grand. Absolutely grand, right? Stoic. Um, so... Mm. Then they came up, they were like, one of the gang, John McNally, was like, let's just run him over with a car. Yeah, um, come on, finish it. Then Marino Pask and Kreisberg were all intrigued. They uh, they found a cab driver called Harry Green, who was willing to do the deed for $150 oh, of the life insurance money. So another oh, person. Their whole profit which, is decimated by how much yeah, it's so shiting small, around though. they're doing. Absolutely so small, right? So they all ca- piled into the into the taxi. Um, they, uh, Malloy, Michael Malloy was drunk, strewn across their feet. He drove, uh, so they drove him up a couple of blocks and then the plan was to take him out of the taxi, hold him up by the arms as if he was being crucified and then uh, Harry Green, the taxi <laughs> driver, would just oh slam that fucking taxi into him, right? So just as he was doing it, a light caught his eye and he stopped he thought that someone was watching them so he, he stopped but then the others were like come on Harry do it do it do it um, so they did so twice they held him up or whatever and went to slam him and twice a drunken Michael Malloy just jumped out of the way just <laughs> a last oh, no. minute just teetered himself out of the way laughing along with all the lads like not having a fucking notion I think what was going on <laughs> and then on the third try he hits him at 50 miles an hour, which is oh, the fatal. What's that? 70 kilometers an hour or something? Probably about that. Like, it's it's fast. Yeah. He hits the bonnet, goes up on the roof, falls down, right? Uh, but then there's a car coming around the corner. So the lads all speed off and don't check him. But assume that, like, 50 miles an hour, he's dead. Like, applied for Valkyrie. 80 kilometers an hour. That's yeah. what that is. So, like, 80 kilometers an hour, this man has got to be dead. Um, so, the next day, uh, it is uh, Malloy, the fake brother. So, the guy who's posing as Nicholas, whose actual real name is Joseph Murphy, uh, is calling the morgues and hospitals in an attempt to locate his missing brother. Um and he's not coming up with anything. They've no information, no reports of fatal accidents in newspapers. Um, so then they're like, well, fuck what we do. Like, we don't have any body. We don't have any death certificate. We've nothing. So then they come with the plan that they're going to kill another anonymous drunk guy. Oh my God. And just as they're having, just as they're sitting down to their meeting about the anonymous drunk that they're going to kill, who walks into the bar? Only Malloy. Michael. Michael Malloy. <laughs> Little bit bandaged, looking slightly worse for wear, saying, I'd love an owl drink. Oh, Mal- Do you know what? I'm imagining all of this happening in the It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Totally, bar. I was too. 
That's weird. <laughs> like a New York dive bar. Yeah. This is fucking, yeah. So uh, then he can't, he, you know, he's he's telling them the story of what he can remember. He says he remembers having a couple of whiskeys. He remembers being outside, waking up in the hospital and then only wanting to go back to the bar. Um, but on the fir- 21st of February, 1933, seven months after this all began, Michael Malloy was finally found dead in his tenement on 168th Street, less than a mile from Tony's speakeasy. A rubber tube that ran from a gaslight fixture to his mouth was wrapped, was stuck in his mouth with a towel wrapped around it. So obviously they had just fucking gassed him. Gassed him. Jesus. Um, they had done it, presumably, yeah. Presumably, And tried right. to make it look like a suicide. Yeah, but then a real dodgy friend of Pasks, the undertakers, Dr. Frank Manzara, decided that he would write a phony death certificate saying that pneumonia was the cause. So they would take this death certificate back to the life insurance companies, three life insurance companies, and cash out, finally. Um, so they went to the Metropolitan Life Insurance Company, collected the first check, $800. By the time it was split between a lot of them, uh, Marino only was able to afford himself a new suit. Oh, and then when they went to the other, the other agencies, and they were like, the agencies obviously were like, can we see the body? And they were like, oh no, fuck, he's already been buried. So then they felt it was suspicious. An investigation ensued and they found the whole murder trust all together. Um, and they were it, all... That was it. The members the of the murder trust were all sent to the, sentenced to the electric chair. What the fuck? How many members? Uh, there were six of them, I think, in the end. Seven, maybe. That's a big... And it, look, rightly so. It just seems like a harsh punishment. <laughs> just For them to go to the electric chair. Kind of, yeah. I think that's just the slapstick way that Cassie just told us. Right. <laughs> You're right. like, but they're all just kind of getting up to hijinks, no? But that's that's kind of, yes. <laughs> but it's so laughable because their crimes, they were so... so but I mean, they did I kill him in the end. On like. my phone, looking at you so I could photograph what, what I'm looking at. Both of you knitting in front of me. I'm crocheting. You're, sorry. Get it right. What are you crocheting? Um, just whatever. Possibly another little hat for myself. A, a little yellow oh. one. Fabulous. There, I screen Sophie, grabbed it for you. Oh, good. I'm on the back of a little jumper for a little baby called Sunay, oh. aka Boobface, aka Look Who's Just Arrived In. Hello. Uh, well, listen, Cass, that was an epic story. That was it's a good one, isn't epic. it? Do you know what it really reminded me of? It reminded me of when um, Seb and I used to live in the French Alps and do like chalet work and stuff. And we did like four, four years there, four years. And anyway, um, on people's birthdays, we used to go absolutely feral. And like the amount of like kind of Malloy scenarios there. Where you that, should have died. That actually just died. really yeah. just reminded me of that like ridiculous too farness. There was a terrifying one where... Oh, hang on. Seb? Yeah? Can you at least hand him to me? Because I'm, like, tethered oh, to a million different... 
are not auntie. We had a lovely friend called Tom. And uh, he was turning 21. When I think about it, we were about 30. <laughs> and we, well, no, maybe we weren't quite. We were probably about 27. But anyway, Tom's birthday, we sellotaped him with duct tape to an office chair. And a yeah. <laughs> just popped back in the room. Oh, yeah. Jesus Cassie just told a creep that really reminded me of this. Anyway, he was sellotaped and like duct tape. Like, so thoroughly sellotaped to this swivel office chair. And we'd all, like, we'd spent the preceding hour just absolutely funneling this horrific beer that was, like, 8%. Oh. And anyway, like, the, the game became just fecking him down the nursery slope on the swivel chair <laughs> in, in, like, the dead of night. And, like... We were, like at one point he upended into a snowbank and like everyone was just so tickled. It was so hilarious <laughs> until like everyone realized that like everyone was laughing. Nobody had attempted yet to pull him back so up out of the snowbank. I'd say like we were a near headline. We were a near BuzzFeed headline of like local dicks. Watch friend no, laugh while friend drowns in a snowbank. Yeah. On his birthday. On his birthday. As a part of a, an a ever as an ever escalating birthday bump scenario. Fucking oh. disgusting behaviour. Amazing. You would altogether. all got the electric chair. We would have and changed. deserved it. Um, we've all changed. We have. I look sure now we couldn't even do that if we wanted to because no. we're all in quarantine. I know. So. The Alps are probably over. That's yeah. it. Friendship. So listen. Um, only Zoom. Do Zoom you know based. what's not over? Patronising our patron and watching more of us. That's just available yeah, to you to at more. all times. If Come you do in. want to friends, 200 or so, come on over to a, the Zoom of a Thursday evening. And um, mm -hmm. we'll, yeah, we'll entertain you. It's, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll endeavour to. If, say, people listening were, like, holding back because they were like, these fuckers, they'll never, ever remember to put anything on their stupid patron. I would just there's like to say there. there's actually loads of extra content on the patron. We have eight episodes of The Creep Hive, which is basically just this show again. New, like, no, as in other stories, other stories, but like, you know, yeah. and then we have yeah. loads of our streamed, just, just do it. What's, what's keeping you? There's honestly, there's I'm going to sellotape you to an office chair and fuck you down a nursery slope if you don't. There's like eight hours of solid creeping over there um, as soon as you sign up. Just give them anyway. Here. We'll be here free as a bird next weekend. Anyway. Yeah, so and we, we still love you, even though you are very withholding. <laughs> and to all our patrons listening, hi guys. See you Thursday. Oh, bye. All right. Adios, amigos. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, 
people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.